you, Jesus. Glory to your name, Father. Oh, we just give you praise tonight. We worship you, dear Lord. We thank you and we invite you. We invite your presence. We open our hearts. And we ask you to fill them, Lord. Fill them with your goodness. Fill them with your love. Fill them with your word. And fill them with revelation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You all may be seated and we're going to dismiss children's ministry. Pastor Mark is resting his voice tonight. Hallelujah. He's going to be nice and strong for Sunday. Glory to God. Didn't we have great messages on this past Sunday? Oh, I'm just still feeding on that. And I'll tell you, I'm excited about tonight because I had one direction and the Holy Ghost changed that direction. So that means that someone here tonight has a word tailor-made for them. Amen? And that's something you can hold on to because it doesn't matter who's preaching and what they're saying. It's the Holy Spirit that will bring to your heart the revelation of what he once said to you tonight. So I have a question as we begin tonight, and this question is, do you know that if you have received Jesus as your Savior, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that? How many of you know that? Praise God. Now, I'm not talking about how many of you have heard it. I'm not talking about how many of you just know that in your head. You have gnosis of it. I'm talking about the epinosis, where you know it in your heart, where it's revealed to your spirit by the Holy Spirit, that your temple is a, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that what? God himself lives in you. That is powerful. And when you know that, I mean, it's like this. Therefore, you want to glorify God with your whole spirit, with your whole soul, with your body, with all that is within you. That's what you want to do. And I'll tell you, that revelation will change your life. The Holy Spirit helps me. He helps me to use that scripture to glorify God. And do you know glorifying God means to bring him honor? To bring him praise? To bring him glory? And we do that how? As our lives are transformed. And we become more and more like Jesus. That brings him glory. That brings him honor because it is truly a work of the Spirit. Amen? I was born again and received Jesus as a young girl. Just a young girl going to Sunday school. I just remember going forward uh, at the Baptist church and receiving Jesus. That's one thing about the Baptists. They're going to get you saved. Amen? And I respected him. I respected God. 
And I had an awe of God. And I honored God with all of my heart that as far as I knew how to. See, I endeavored to do that. I endeavored to do what was right. But what was right was what was right in my own sight. I really just didn't know completely what was right in his sight. So therefore, what I did is I would lean to my own understanding. You know, I'm a good person. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, you know, I'll tell you what, you can justify any behavior. (laughs) You can twist and mix a scripture or you can, you know, justify something because you think it's right in your own sight. But that's leaning to your own understanding. And in Proverbs chapter 3 in the Amplified Bible, verses 6 through 8, it says this. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not what? Rely. Do not lean to your own insight or your own understanding. But in all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. And he will make your what? Your path straight. He will make the crooked places straight in your life when you acknowledge him. When you choose not to lean to your own insight or your own understanding about a matter, about a situation. And he will make your path straight and smooth. He will remove obstacles that block your way. When does he do that? When you acknowledge him. When you say, you are Lord of my life. You're God. And you're going to be God in my life. And God in your life, are going to re- he's going to remove the obstacles that block your way. It goes on to say, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord with reverent awe and obedience and turn entirely away from evil because it has a benefit. Here's the benefit. It will be health to your body, your marrow, your nerves, your sinews, your muscles, all your inner parts. That's healing and health. Stress is something in this day and age that causes so much disease, so much sickness. And it comes from leaning to your own understanding. But I'll tell you, when you lean to his understanding, you cast the care of the person, place, or thing over on him. Once and for all, all the anxiety, all the worry, all the care. You cast it over on him once and for all because he what? He cares. And that's a verb. It takes action. When you cast the person, place, or thing, or situation over on him, that care, then he takes action. It takes faith to cast the care of a noun over on him because that thing will talk to you it'll talk to you day and night it'll wear you down if you let it but you can choose not to let it because you can lean to what the word says to his understanding and again 
It brings health and healing to all your inner parts and refreshment, physical well-being to your bones. I love that. I receive that. How about you? 39 years ago, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. See, remember I told you when I was a little girl, I made him my Savior. But 39 years ago, he called me up. He literally called me up on the phone. You've heard that testimony about I found it, where the lady from I found it, that campaign, that national campaign that some of you are too young to know about, that he called me up through a lady. And it's so precious to me today because she doesn't know this side of heaven what that phone call did. Sometimes you speak to people and you plant seeds in people's lives and you don't know this side of heaven what those words did for that person. How it changed their life. How it changed the course of their life. How it can change a person's destiny and thereby changing others' destinies. Amen? And so I did that and I noticed that when I did that, I began to desire to live for him a different desire began to work in me. I didn't want to live for myself and follow what I thought was right in my own sight. I wanted to know, what do you say? What's right in your sight? And so I began to search. I searched the scriptures, and I'll tell you, I was so hungry, so very hungry for the word. God just gave me this supernatural hunger, and I would open my Bible, and the words would leap off the page, and they would leap into my heart, and they would feed my heart, and understanding would come. Revelation would come. That is a powerful thing when God begins to work in your life, and I began to grow. It grew me up. And it began to transform my life. And walking with God, it requires that you make adjustments. It requires that you make changes. It requires that you renew your mind to His Word. And then you put His Word first place. And that's exactly what I did. And that's how I grew, you know. It requires that you cut off some things. It requires that you pluck out some things. It requires pruning. And you see, um, that's not easy. It wasn't easy then. It was difficult. Because I had to change a lot of things. I had to change friends. And even friends, let me say this, even friends who, um, oh gosh, I love them so much. I grew up with them and Uh, they took me to their church and it was an awesome church. But it wasn't a church that preached the word where they can grow like God was challenging me in my heart to grow. And I, I had to leave that behind, you see? Because if I would have stayed there, I would still be there. But there was another uh, spirit working on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit saying, come up, come up. And so I had to leave friendships that I had for years and years and years. And, you know, they, they again, were doing things that were right in their own sight and justifying them. I had to cut that off. So it felt like something was missing for a while. You know what I mean? No one around, your, your buddies. 
you, you, I had to do some other things. I had to change some habits. I had to change the way I talked. I had to change the way that I walked. I had to cha- you have to change what you do. You have to change where you go. Amen? That'll preach. Because you can go lots of places. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you can go lots of places. Well, in Matthew 18, in the Amplified Version, verses 8 and 9, it says this, If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble and sin, you've got to do what? Cut it off and throw it away. That is what? Remove yourself from the source of temptation. Now, there's all kinds of temptations. So I know that's going to locate every one of us in this room. Amen? Tempted to worry. Tempted to fear. Tempted to sin. Tempted to doubt. Okay? So you've got to remove yourself from the source of temptation. So if it's worry, you've got to change how you're thinking. If it's sin, you've got to change what you're doing and where you're going. Amen? For you to enter into life crippled and lame, you have uh, that, uh, I'm sorry, it is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands and two feet and be thrown into everlasting fire. That's what the word says. If your eye causes you to stumble in sin, you got to do what? Pluck it out. So we said cut it off and now we're saying pluck it out and throw it away from you. That is what? Remove yourself from the source of temptation. Everybody say it. Remove yourself from the source of temptation. It is better for you to enter life with only one eye than to have two eyes to be thrown into the fiery hell. Now, I like what the voice translation says. It says it this way. If our hand constantly grabs at the things of this world rather than the kingdom of God... And if your foot is always leading you to wonder, and if your eye is always focusing on things that cause you to sin, you got to deal with it. You got to pluck it out. You got to cut it off. You got to make that stumbling block a stepping stone. Make that stumbling block a stepping stone into a higher place in him, ascending into higher places in him. I want us to look at a group of people tonight who actually walked with Jesus on this earth. You know, they're called the disciples. Some say, if I could only see Jesus, if I could only talk to him, if I could just Touch his hand. Well, these people did. Let's take a look at them. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. We're having Bible study tonight. Amen? God's going to give us revelation of his scriptures. As a matter of fact, the title of my message is, Do You Have Revelation from Heaven? Okay, Matthew chapter 16. 
verse 1, it says, Now the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus, uh, came up and testing Jesus to get something to use against him. Now the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were like the political party of their time. They were all Jews, but they really didn't agree on much. They never came together on anything. Their conflict was around how to read and interpret the scriptures. Does that sound familiar? Because it's the same spirits that are working today, you see. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. And so it's the same spirits that were kind of stirring that stuff up. Their conflict was around scripture. Their conflict was around their culture. Their conflict was around their perspective. Their conflict was around their attitudes, their teachings, and their overall school of thought. Their worldview. The Pharisees were committed to the law. They were very legalistic. And they believed in the Hellerization, which is the spread of really ancient Greek philosophy. And the language. And that changes a lot of things when you change somebody's language and how they interpret things. They were really the elect and the elite. They recognized the written Torah and they recognized it with the influence of Greek philosophy. They did not recognize and they also rejected the oral, oral Torah, which you know is the four, four, first four books of the Bible. They rejected the prophets, the writings of the prophets, and the resurrection of the dead. So, again, they didn't agree on anything. They had a lot of conflict, but they came together and they partnered on this one issue. And the issue was the endeavor to entrap Jesus. Verse 1 again. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven, which would support his divine authority. Now, he had already shown a lot of signs that they had seen. But he replied to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and has a threatening look. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky but cannot interpret the signs of the times. These were religious leaders. Why couldn't they interpret the signs of the times? Because they had no redemptive revelation from heaven. An evil and moral unfaithful generation craves a miraculous sign. See, that doesn't require faith, and faith is what pleases God. But no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then he left them and went away. And when the disciples reached the other side of the sea, they uh, realized that they had forgotten to bring bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and be on your guard against the what? Against the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss among themselves, saying, He said that because we did not bring bread... But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of, uh, of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you still not understand or remember that the five loaves 
for the 5,000 and how many baskets you picked up? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you picked up? How is it that you failed to understand that I was not talking to you about bread? He, this just happened. They had just crossed the sea. On the other side of the sea, he had fed the 5,000 plus women plus children. And there was probably more children than there was men and women. But he fed them all and there was more than enough left over. He had just done miracles. He had healed the, the, the uh, blind and, and the, those who were lame and those who were maimed. He had just done miracles before their eyes. And they're thinking about bread and where they're going to get bread. Can you imagine? No wonder he said, oh, ye of little faith. No wonder. Can you imagine how he felt? But they began to understand, as he explained that, they began to understand that he did not tell them to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the false teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, when Jesus Jesus went into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say, or who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, others Elisha, and still others Jeremiah, or just one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed, happy, spiritually secure and favored by God are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Because flesh and blood, mortal man, has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in where? Heaven. Revelation from heaven filled Peter's heart. And I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, death will not overpower it by preventing the resurrection of Christ. Now, when he was talking to Peter about being the rock, he wasn't focusing on Peter and Peter's faith. He was focusing on Peter and the revelation that Peter received. You see, Jesus was the chief cornerstone, right? And then we're stones that come together to build the church of the living God. And so, um, the cornerstone is so important. Everything else is guided by the cornerstone. As a matter of fact, in ancient times, they would take, uh, they would write the inscriptions of, of everything that was in the temple on that cornerstone. Everything about it when, it. when the building was started, when it was finished, everything about it was on that cornerstone. Everything you needed to know. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And then we are stones that are added to that building. And on this rock of revelation, he's going to build his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then he goes on to talk about giving authority to the believer. And whatever you bind on earth, whatever you loose. Amen? And so from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples clearly that he must go to Jerusalem and endure many things. This is verse 21. Things at hand of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes 
and be killed on the, and be raised from the dead on the third day. And Peter took him aside to speak to him privately. Mm-hmm. Notice this. Peter takes Jesus aside because he wants to set him straight. <laughs> He's going to talk to him and rebuke him privately. He's not going to do it in front of anybody else. But he says to him, he reprimands him, the scripture says, May God forbid it. This will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Same thing Jesus said in the wilderness when temptation knocked at his door. He said, Satan, get behind me. It is written. That's one thing we can do when temptation knocks at your door. Take authority on the onset over the enemy. And the enemy was influencing Peter. And Peter was leaning to his own understanding because he had no redemptive revelation of what was about to happen. He went on to say, you are a stumbling block to me. You are in my way. You are an offense. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. God forbid that it ever be said that you are a stumbling block. That you are in his way. But see, when we're walking without revelation and we're walking in line with our own understanding, we become stumbling blocks. We get in the way of the Holy Spirit to do his work. The Message Bible says it this way. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. That's a good thing to have in your heart. Satan, you get out of my way. You get lost. You have no idea of how God works. His thoughts and his ways are higher. He makes the way. He's the way maker. Then, down in verse 24, it says, Then Jesus went to work with, on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. This is from the message. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? So we know that's talking about suffering in the flesh. Because when you've got to put your flesh under, when you've got to put your own understanding under, when, you, when, you have to, when it doesn't make sense, you know, to walk around the walls of Jericho and make a shout and the walls come tumbling down. When it doesn't make sense to build an ark, a boat the size of a World War I battleship on dry ground where it has never rained before. And it takes you a hundred years. And you're the only righteous person. And you're being persecuted left and right. It's a higher thought. It's a higher way. than dipping yourself in the Jordan River, the filthy Jordan River, to be cleansed of leprosy. That doesn't make sense. 
but it's an act of obedience to doing it God's way, not leaning to your own understanding, not leaning to your own way. Amen? Amen. God wants you to trust them. So things didn't happen the way that they thought. And many times things will happen the way you think they'll happen. You've just got to trust him. You don't know the how, but you know the who. Let's look back at verse 7. They didn't have a clue again. They began to discuss among themselves, saying, He said that because we did not bring bread, but Jesus, again aware of this, rebuked them and said, O ye of little faith, don't you understand, don't you know? Now, down to verse 16 and 17. In verses 16 and 17, Peter's words there were filled with something else. They were filled with revelation. So the previous verse, verse 7, no revelation. Verses 16 and 17, filled with revelation. You're Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus' ministry really had a change after that was declared. After that, after that revelation was made known and articulated. Then in verse 22, Peter is leaning to his own understanding again. Peter took him aside, and again, he rebuked him privately. Can you see how there's a mix there? Of one minute walking in revelation, and the next walking in your own understanding? Do you see why we have to check in on a lot of things? Peter didn't have revelation of the way his own redemption was going to be played out. He was coming against the redemption, the plan of God, from the foundation of the earth. God's plan to redeem Peter. Peter didn't understand it. So he was coming against it. He was trying to stop it. The enemy was using him to stop it. Do you see again how thoughts of man and thoughts of God are different? They're very different. One minute speaking with revelation inspired of the Holy Ghost, the next speaking inspired by the enemy. So we have to check up again. Like I said, we can't miss the revelation of what God is saying to us by leaning to our own understanding. Jesus said, beware of the leaven. Again, the disciples in verse 7 thought he was talking about bread, but he was talking about revelation. He was talking about the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the false doctrines of the religious leaders the rejection of the traditions of the elders, the denial of the supernatural, the possibility of the, re- the I- impossibility. They did not believe in the possibility of the resurrection of the dead. And that's what they were teaching. A little leaven does what? It leavens the whole lump. I grabbed myself some water, <clears throat> but I noticed something about this water. It didn't look very good. Here you go, Eddie. Would you like some? <laughs> It has something in it, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes it unpurified. It makes it contaminated. It has dirt and soil and a few other things in it. It's mixed together. Just like people mix revelation of God from heaven with their own understanding. But then it becomes unpure. And you really can't drink it. You can't ingest it. Amen? It can make you sick. (laughs) 
So when you make bread, you use yeast or leaven, right? And leaven is, it, it really is a living microorganism. Um, That's what it is. It's alive. It's a single cell. It's fungus. And it's dormant until it's mixed with warm water. But you mix it with warm water and it reactivates the yeast. And the yeast begins to feed on the sugars that's in the flour. And it begins to grow. And it releases carbon dioxide. And that carbon dioxide, it can't escape because the dough is very... um, it stretches and it's just, it's, it's elastic and it can't breathe. And so that produces gas and that gas is what expands and makes your dough rise. So when you put the yeast in the dough, it begins to work its way through the dough and it affects all of the dough, the whole up. In the same way, Jesus was warning about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees It works through a man's soul. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. That's what it says. A little leaven leavens the whole. So, we got to remember that leaven is a living thing. Words are living things. Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you say to yourself about yourself and about your situation. Because a little leaven leavens the whole. So you've got to take authority over thoughts. Any thought does not line up with the word of God, you cast it down and you replace it with God's word. Because if you don't, that thought will become an imagination. And an imagination is a picture. You'll see the picture. And when you see the picture, if you see it for too long, guess what? It'll become a stronghold in your life. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. Whether it's of God or whether it's of the enemy. So take authority over thoughts on the onset. Watch out for what you're thinking. Because there's a lot of stinking thinking. And you want thinking that produces the life of God. It'll affect your brain. The thoughts that you take in. Thoughts that you take in in your mind. Your mind is your, your, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The thoughts that you take into your mind affect your brain, your actual organ in your body. And that organ will begin to produce either good proteins or bad proteins based on the thoughts that you're thinking. And those proteins build little trees, little neurons in your brain, and they connect. And they either bring pathways of life or pathways of death. And you can physically see it on scans. Looks like a tree of life for words of life. For words of love, or it looks like a tree of death. And it affects how you think. And you know what? It goes down to every cell in your body. And it affects how your body functions. Because that's how God created you. He created your brain. He created it for life and for love. And when things go into it that don't produce life and don't produce love, it 
it rebels. Like stress. Amen? So that's why Jesus said, that's why the word of God says, Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Cast those thoughts down, amen, and replace them with what God says. And that life will produce good. It'll produce, it'll produce good proteins. It'll affect your body. Remember, it even said back there, your marrow, your bones. Everything that's internal in you is affected when you put his word into your heart and into your soul. It'll affect your body. Glory to God. So the leaven is a living thing. Make sure that it's not living in you. Anything that does not line up with the word is false teaching. Any thought, attitude, teaching, way of living, acting. You can read about those in Galatians 5, the work of the flesh. But we've got to what? What have we been saying all night? Lean not to our own understanding. But in all our ways, we're going to acknowledge him and allow him to direct our path. Because his word is going to be what? It's going to be a lamp unto our feet. It's going to be a light unto our path. It's going to light your way so you don't have to walk in the dark. You walk in the dark, you're going to stumble. You're going to get hurt. You're going to fall. But you don't have to. You can follow the light of the gospel. Amen? It will enlighten your path. It will show you the way. It's such a fun adventure to be led by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. This is true in prayer. I'm telling you, many times you just need to pray in the Spirit. Because you can go back and you can be led by what you know. You can pray for others. You can pray for yourself. You can pray for situations. You can pray for our nation and be led by your own understanding. So we got to pray with our understanding, pray the word, pray what we can. But many times praying in the spirit is the way to go. Because the Holy Spirit who is God, prays through you the perfect plan, will, and purposes of God. He prays them through you. If you just lead to him, and you just begin to pray over a matter, powerful, not leaning to your own understanding and prayer, but leaning to him, This is true when it comes to judging others. Amen? Judge not, because you know what? You only know in part. You don't always know the heart. This is true when it comes to making decisions. There's a pathway, for example, to healing. And I'm pastoral care, so, you know, I can't even tell you how many calls I've had today speaking with people who are in crisis situations. There's a pathway for healing for you. And you've got to be prayerful and be led. You can't do it a certain way because somebody else did it that way. God's going to lead you. And when you have peace, that's a great indicator of the way he's going to lead you. Let's just take having a, 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 a surgery, for example. 
You can get so dogmatic on something because you're not going to do it because you're leaning to your own understanding and we can bury you tomorrow. I'm telling you, we've done it. And we've given counsel, but people don't always want to hear it. They want to lean to their own understanding about the matter or what makes sense to them. I'm telling you, that's dangerous. You have to be led by the Spirit of God. Always put the Word of God first. Always put the Word of God in your heart. And then, Lord, what about this? How would you have me to do this? I'm telling you, it takes faith to stay. It takes faith to go. If you're going to go have the surgery, it's going to take faith. If you're not, it's going to take faith. No matter what, you've got to do it in faith. But too many times people make decisions because of fear. They're fear-based decisions. And they'll say, I'm not going to do it that way because of this X, Y, and Z. And I'll tell you what, if you really look into that, there's fear underneath. Because if I do this, then, oh my gosh, this may happen. That's fear. Going through treatment's another one. God grants wisdom to physicians. But you've got to be led. Because in some cases, it's not a good thing. But in many cases, it is the thing that will save your life. And you've got to go through it in faith. That's all. you just got to do it in faith. you just got to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to deal with this today. Whatever comes up, I'm going to deal with it by the grace of God. And God will help you. He will give you grace. He will empower you for that day. I'm not going to think about tomorrow because tomorrow is not here. And there's no grace for that. All it's going to do is rob my peace. And I have to stay in peace. There it is. There it is. So I'm in faith, and I'm going to do this in faith, and I'm going to walk it out. How much? One day at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you go through things that are not comfortable? One day at a time. And God's peace will just be there. His grace will just be... Isn't that right, Pastor Tom? You know it's right. Glory to God. He's going to help you. Don't lean, don't rely on your own understanding, your own experiences, others' experiences, others' testimonies, your own testimonies, past ways of doing things. Be led by the Spirit. Trust Him in all things. Lean not to your understanding. Check in with heaven. Allow patience to have her perfect work. And make sure that you have that redemptive revelation from heaven about your situation. Amen. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you for this word tonight. This is a good word. And I thank you that it takes root in the hearts and the souls of each person, each year, Lord. That you use it to bring forth revelation and grant your leading, your guidance, your insight, your thoughts that are higher and your ways that are higher. Thank you, Lord. 
You are so precious, Lord, because you'll confirm that through not just one resource, but many. So we put on ears to hear. And we ask you for eyes that are flooded with light and revelation. Hearts receptive, tender hearted, hungry. <laughs> like you made me hungry, Lord. You made me so hungry. I ask you to make these hungry. Hungry for you, hungry for your word, hungry for revelation, hungry to not lean to their own understanding and what makes sense all the time, but to what you say, how you lead them, how you guide them, because you'll, pervert, pres, uh, you'll preserve them, you'll sustain them, you'll lift them up. You'll lift them up and you'll lift them into the plan of God. So I pray for doors to open unto them. Oh, we loose that right now together in the name of Jesus. Doors from heaven. Windows from heaven. Opening up unto these, Lord, with the blessings of heaven. Loaded with benefits. Here's what I say all the time. I'm blessed and I can be no less. I'm blessed and I could be no less. Say it with me. I'm blessed and I could be no less. Something comes knocking at your door, you answer it with that. I'm blessed and I can be no less. Amen? Glory to God. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor. If you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. That's the first question I want to ask you. It's the most important thing you'll ever do on this earth. If you would raise your hand, we're going to pray with you tonight. Are you all family here? Looks like we're all family. Okay, second question. Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? where he sits on the center, the throne of your heart, where he is Lord, and what he says goes. He's in the driver's seat, amen? Is Jesus in your driver's seat? Or is he in the back seat? <laughs> Let's just pray that together. Lord, I just come to you, and I ask you, in the name of Jesus. To be my Lord. The Lord of my life. I put you in the driver's seat. And I allow you to lead the way. And I won't be a backseat driver. Oh, we'll have dialogue. We'll talk. But Lord, you lead. And I follow. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen.